0: Welcome to the Untoxicated Podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm Sherry Salis, and that was my husband, Matt.
0: We have questions about the impact of alcohol and addiction on relationships.
1: If you have those kinds of questions, too, you're in the right place.
0: Here we go. I can't believe we are recording a podcast episode at this ungodly hour. (laughs) Ungodly. What is it like? Two in the morning? What time is it? 9.30 930, p.m. 9.30 and we're recording a podcast. 9.30 a.m. That'd be right up our alley, but uh, this is gross.
1: You are not at all a night owl or even one that pretends to be.
0: Do you remember when one of our kids had a dog walking job uh, for some people that had gone out of town? And it was just down a few blocks from here. And they had to walk the dog at like after ten o'clock at night on a Friday night, and I went down there with them to like just kind of chaperone because they were like yeah. a young teenager or something. Yeah. And I remember being out and being like, "What are all these people doing <laughs> out? What are these crazy?" And it was it was literally a Friday night at like ten fifteen, and I was just, it was. I mean, if I thought it through, I could say, "Okay, these people live a different lifestyle than me." But at the time, I was like. I can't believe there are people out at 10.15 on a Friday night.
1: Yeah, well, years of owning a bread bakery where you went in at, you know, 4.30 or 5.30, whatever. Like, I'm it not changed even, your perspective.
0: Yeah, I guess. I'm not even sure that I can lean on that excuse anymore because I still feel like that. I feel like it's 9.30 and we're recording a podcast episode and I want to bash my head into a cement wall. Okay, that's an exaggeration. That's an exaggeration.
1: And... We're doing this so then we can be timely and efficient and put a podcast out every week. So That's right, and we've got, got stuff
0: coming mm-hmm. up at the end of the week. Hey, I wanna, I wanna talk to you about something you said and did and how it made me feel. Okay, wow. you ready for this? Uh, I don't know. So I've been dealing with something. I I don't want to get into any of the details, but. Uh, I coach high school soccer and I've taken over a new team this year after five years at the same school and uh, it's not going well. Um, I think that's a, a that's bit a of an of understatement. Yeah, good way of putting it. Maybe a bit of an understatement. But you have been so supportive. You have, really, I have bounced so much stuff off of you that I have been doing and trying and saying and Stuff I've been trying to, uh, you know, ways I've been trying to handle the situations that I'm in. And you have, like, you've really been there for me because there have been some situations that are, you know, I felt good about what I did, but it didn't go well. And so then, of course, what do we do as humans? We second guess ourselves and spend a lot of time beating ourselves up, wishing we had done it differently. But you have been rock solid on my side about this and telling me that the decisions i made and the way i handled it were right and that the kind of the changes that i'm trying to instill are going to be good in the long run and i don't i don't know i don't mean to blow this out of proportion but gosh it, it i don't know that i have felt supported like this by you quite to this degree in the past i mean you've always been a very supportive wife but but this is different and so i have a question for you i feel like you know, you and I have uh, overcome some hurdles recently. We recorded uh, two podcasts, actually, about some of the, the turmoil and trauma that we've experienced recently. But we've made it past that, and I just feel like things are stronger. Our relationship is stronger. And I'm wondering, I feel like the level of support you're giving me is because, you know, it's somehow related to, like, the fact that you're trusting me more completely do you think that that's it? Or did you just think that I happen to be right this time and so you support me because you agree with me and if you didn't agree with me, you wouldn't support me? And were you wondering if I was ever going to stop talking and <laughs> let you answer the question?
1: Uh, D, all of the above. Um, I don't really think it has anything to do with the feeling that I feel like I can trust you more. Like I don't feel like the hurdles we've overcome makes me trust you more in this decision. I feel like... You and I have a similar value of how, like, athletics and accountability and you know ownership in your own performance should happen. Um, so I feel like we're just on the same page with it. I'm mm. sorry if I'm like shooting holes in your theory, but uh, just, that's okay. I kind of feel like that it's that it's not one or the other. I mean, maybe that we're just at a better place, and maybe because. I've noticed over the last couple of days, and I know it's been stressful the last couple of weeks, and um maybe maybe I'm just becoming more sensitive because I'm not carrying hurt and pain, so whenever I see you be a little extra like intense or crabby, I'm like able to step outside of that and go, well, this I know is triggered by... The stress with the job and the changes in the program that you're trying to make. And so I'm not carrying my own pain and hurt around. Ooh. And that I feel like I have more to give and more to offer and be more supportive because I'm not harboring mm-hmm. ill feelings.
0: We're going to... That's it. We're recording all the podcasts at midnight from now on. It's yeah, not was, midnight. It's 9.30. That oh, it feels like midnight. That was very, very insightful. I mean, you worried? It, it wouldn't be the first time... That I, that I threw out, Right, that I threw out a, a theory and you you completely dismissed it, but your you counter... Because you overthink. What's that?
1: Because you overthink a lot. Well, so okay, so I
0: put the word trust in there because I feel like you trust me more, and I feel like that's the last step in the relationship recovery process, is rebuilding that trust to the way it used to be. So I'm just kind of, like, I just kind of threw that word out there, but wow, your counter your counterpoint about what you really think is happening is is pretty, you know, insightful the, the idea that you're just not hating on me for other reasons so it's a lot easier to be supportive that makes a ton of sense, it makes a ton of sense not only with what we've experienced but what we've read and heard from others so, wow, great job you would think we planned these conversations almost that was so well done. I think done. if
1: you closely listen, it's pretty obvious we aren't planning. Yeah. Well, you plan. I just go I, along for the ride. I
0: make some notes <laughs> and then you just kind of shred what I, <laughs> what I was thinking. But it's good. I learn a lot in these podcasts. So one of the things that we want to talk about tonight is the fact that anything can fill that worry spot for me. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of high-functioning alcoholics. And when I talk about the worry spot, right now the thing that I'm stressed out about is a work-related thing that I, I think is a fairly legitimate thing to be worried about and to be, you know, spending a lot of time on. But But one of the things that I'm learning about myself is if I don't have something that is significant that's really weighing me down... I'll just pick something else and let that weigh me down. Mm-hmm. That's a really depressing way to go through life. It is. I I have in the past when I was how old was I when I got that hernia surgery? Well, um, I was well, young, a, right?
1: Um, eh, not like you know, infantile. Oh, I'm going to add it up. Uh, you, this is you were twenty eight. You were twenty eight and a half.
0: Wow! How did you? Because
1: even... I was pregnant with our first child. Okay
0: you can link it to a pregnancy yes. that makes sense. So I had Tiny. hernia surgery and my my hernia is not in the normal spot it's like above my belly button in that little in the center of my stomach and and um I have recently when I have had periods where no. I don't have much to worry about <laughs> I have gotten fixated on the fact that I think there's something messed up in the center of my stomach, and I'll lay there in bed and like rub the center of my stomach with my finger and be like, Oh, Where sure. Where you had the surgery. Yeah. And every pair. Well, and, and around there, be like, yeah. I don't know if I've got another hernia or if they messed it up or if I have a cancerous tumor. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things that I've said because there's like a little. <laughs> It feels a little funny <laughs> yeah. in there. and so
1: Well, and then the commercials don't help, right? Like, oh, you had an implant, you know, hernias, oh, surgery, yeah, the, the mesh, mesh is, yeah. You can sue the so, mesh producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: so. No, those don't help. But the point is, if I don't have something that's legitimate for me to sit around and worry about, I'll find something else to worry. And I'm not a hypochondriac by nature. This that's, is not really... This is your-
1: third tumor scare though that oh, you, really? you had a tumor you've said that two times before
0: in your life too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember but the other two okay. yeah so I don't so I mean this went on for kind of weeks yeah. kind of on and off if I Jesus. didn't have something else to worry about yeah. I would start worrying about and then I would poke at it so long that it would hurt the next day and I'd be like see <laughs> yeah
1: or I you told you like, there was a problem. Yes, or I had to investigate. Or
0: I went to the doctor know. this week, and the doctor, <laughs> after she felt around, um, I could tell she was like biting her lip to not laugh at me for, like, my, I'm not, for like, my worries. Out loud like no, that she doesn't know. just laugh at me out loud I like do, you do. You? Um, but yeah, she basically told me that there's nothing to worry about and everything's fine. But when I saw her this week, I wasn't. I went in Even just for my regular that. physical. I wasn't in there for that. I, I had to actually think hard. There were As I was driving there, I'm like, there were three things I wanted to ask her about. I can't remember what any of them are. And it's because those things that had at one point occupied my worry zone had been replaced by a legitimate worry. And just using the word legitimate is actually kind of making one of my points for me. I, I think that as a high functioning alcoholic I always had something that I was worried about whether it was something significant or something less significant and I learned that if I drank alcohol it would make that worry go away okay mm-hmm. that's not a hard thing to believe That that's right in line with everything we know about how alcoholism works right mm-hmm. but here's the thing I, and I don't know if this is specific to men or if this is specific just to me. Or if this is common across the genders. So I'm not sure about the gender component. I have some opinions, which, big shocker, I will share with you. But, but I, in addition to drinking alcohol to make my worries go away, the other thing that I've always done and continued to do in sobriety is if it is something that's less significant... I will downplay it to myself and and say oh my gosh why am I worried about that? That's such a silly thing and I could to some degree do that with the hernia slash tumor and be like mm-hmm. oh it's fine I'm fine there's no pain involved you know I'm just being silly and kind of do like a buck up you know pull up your big boy pants and be manly about it and not only do I do that but I see that a lot. In the recovery community, when people are brand new in sobriety and they're brand new at feeling emotions, and one of the emotions is overwhelming, they might even admit it, like to, you know, to me directly or in our shout sobriety group. They might even admit, "Oh, um, you know, I'm I'm feeling really sad in the afternoons around the time when I used to start drinking, and I don't know why that is." But even even if they're willing to admit it, then they'll be like, "But you know, I know I just got to get over it." and I just got to be a man about it and and stop being wimpy like this. So I think the two tools that we have available to us as high functioning alcoholics, at least when we're actively drinking to manage the worries, the, the common worries that come about, whether they be big or small worries, is to drink and make them go away or to just scoff at ourselves like you know, I'm sorry to use this term but like stop being a pussy and just be a man about it. Now, you just covered your <laughs> covered your face. You know, like I'm sorry I use that word, but that's a common terminology that I think our listeners will understand. It's it's not it's not a solution. It's not a solution to just say this thing is bothering me. So what I need no to plan. do is just stop being a wimp and move on. That thing doesn't go away just because you tell yourself to stop being a wimp. If that's just the equivalent of I'm going to push it down pushing for a little while. Down. Like I can do something. with alcohol. I can push that down for a little while, but it's going to come back.
1: But then you know what always happens. What? Then, if you push it down and you try to, you let these things that are, you know, small or worries, and you're pushing them down and you're not recognizing them, then you're going to have other things that make you aggravated. And Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like, like if you're pushing something down and you're avoiding it, then you come out and you're snappy in other ways or you're worried about other things or you're like...
0: Oh, absolutely. And usually, especially if it's something where I've pushed it down by saying, don't be such a wimp to myself. Don't be such a wimp. Be a man. Don't be fixated on that thing. Then all the other little unmanly things are the ones that really poke at me. And so it's like it's like your subconscious brain knows... No, nah, you kind of got to deal with that one that's bothering you. We're going to pick out all these other little things. So absolutely, what goes down must come up. So when we push them down, that's not managing it. That's not a healthy way. And certainly, I don't think we need to dwell on the fact that drinking our problems away, that doesn't solve anything either. It might in the short term, but it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. So apparently one, one of the things that we've learned is that I am really chatty late at night, even more so than I am other times of the day, because you're just... I wish that this was TV. I wish people could see the, you just staring at me from across the room. Like, what is this dumbass going to say next is basically what I'm getting. No. I, it,
1: I think it's an interesting topic because I, I did feel bad... Um, because I did tease you quite a bit about your little, like, worry about the... My tumor. Yeah. Your bump... You tease
0: me about my cancerous tumor. <laughs> your,
1: let's not nice. joke about that. Right. About your little muscular about. little bump and unevenness of your little tummy. I thought it was funny to poke at. Because I did know that you do go into that sort of obsessiveness about it and... Um, like I said, this is your Another third tumor scare.
0: <laughs> characteristic of high functioning alcoholic being obsessive about things. Yes.
1: So it, you know, um, and there were like obviously no other signs. You know, there hadn't been any other changes. But when you then started worrying about the work situation, and I, I like you said, I totally agree with you. I felt like you were doing the you're doing the right thing to change the program. I support you 100% there. Um, but I could tell that you were trying not to let it bother you. Even though you would talk to me about it a little bit, I could tell there were times and there were actions and things that were said over the last few days where I was like, that's just a little uncharacteristic or a little overblown. That didn't have anything to do with the situation at the the
0: job. So it was just my like projecting what yes. was really the problem projecting, onto something that's else that's the word i was thinking of projecting
1: like the poor chicken pot pie that was left in the oven no way yeah, seriously like it it's i'm not it's just ridiculous like we left our teenagers home for the weekend we went away they were in charge of their younger brother i bought 4 chicken pot pies for them to cook in the toaster oven for one of their meals they cooked at the fourth one, it was left. It was a dollar 69. Swanson, are oh, you just banquet. gonna make
0: this about money? Because pa- no. you've already clearly pot illustrated pie. how cheap Pause. I am. It wasn't about money,
1: it wasn't about money, but you were then projecting it like, I wish they were wasting food, and I'm like, it's a one tiny chicken pot pie,
0: you know. I and must admit, it was pretty small. It was
1: pretty <laughs> It was pathetic. like a
0: snack-sized chicken Yeah, pot pie. I was
1: thinking, like, they could have that with, like, lunch. Or, for our oldest boy, who ha- likes to have a snack while he's fixing a meal, like, that would be his snack while he was fixing a meal. So, I just was like, that was my clear signal that you were projecting. Because I thought, you know, normally you wouldn't, like, get that worked up. about.
0: Might, have, might have hmm. even laughed about it sometimes. Yeah, you'd be
1: yeah. like, well, good thing you didn't turn the oven on and, you know, rebake this chicken pot pie. That was... Probably sitting in the oven waiting for someone to eat it or cool down.
0: or It had probably been there for a couple but of it, days by the time I found it. I know it had
1: been there for a couple of days because yeah. I know when they ate those. Um, but I just thought it was... That was like... And it, I think because, I like I said... I, I think I wanted was to wake so,
0: them up and figure out who had left the chicken I, Yeah, I really pie. felt I like you were a little overboard with
1: it. And then you yeah. even said, oh, you don't agree with me, so you're not saying anything. I'm like, I'm just listening to you. Yeah. Because I thought you... Uh, like it was like you wanted them to be so perfect in, like cleaning up after themselves where they're gone, not wasting food, just all these little things that played into it with your conversation. And then you know, I'm like, well, well now, at least they wait hate. a minute.
0: I did not have an expectation of them cleaning up. That's that's not true. But you're right, not wasting food. Or, I was <laughs> the way they eat. I wouldn't have you know imagined a, a crumb to have gotten by their little <laughs> mouth holes.
1: So I. I I felt sympathy almost for you.
0: Because I was getting worked up because about you something were, silly like yeah, that? Yeah, and there
1: had been a couple other things that had, you know, you had mentioned.
0: Ooh, This is good sympathy for me. So
1: it was sort of like sympathy, like, wow, I can tell. Because I don't think we're clouded with all this other alcoholism yeah. shit. That I was like, wow, I feel really bad because I can tell he's projecting this. This and he real just issue wants to onto have,
0: this non-issue. Onto the non-issue. Wow.
1: And again, there were a couple other... Things, um, and I could just tell you're you're in um high gear, but not in a good way, like a high stress gear. Yeah, you're a heightened level.
0: Okay, so here, S- so there was sympathy. So he, sympathy for me, that's great. That went along with all the support that you were giving me on the real issue. That was very nice and prevented us from having some big blowout argument. You know, over something that could be either silly or avoidable, mm-hmm. and we were really good at having big loud arguments over th- things that were silly or avoidable back then. Mm-hmm. So I've got this question. So, this this is to me a characteristic of a high-functioning alcoholic, certainly a characteristic of myself, but I don't think I'm alone. This idea that something has to be occupying the worry hole. I have to be worried about something at all times, and if there isn't something legitimate and serious to occupy the worry hole, I'll find something else to occupy the worry hole. Right? You with me?
1: Yeah.
0: And I I do that much more than you. I have watched you when, like, everything's on fire. I have watched you play that little word game where you (laughs) connect the the letters. Wordscape. and Wordscape. (laughs) And I've been just blown away that you can play that game in the face of the crisis that we are dealing with. And so I don't think you have a worry hole. And I want to congratulate you on that.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I don't have a worry hole. Yeah. Well, I I I did word searches for a half an hour before our wedding after our photos were done. I sat on that fancy couch and did a word search.
0: I did not know that. Yes.
1: Your mother was like, how are you not stressed out? And I'm like, oh. Everything should be taken care of, right?
0: Matt's got his double worry hole over there <laughs> taken care of. Yeah. Actually he worry was, enough for both of us. Matt was half drunk at that point, so yeah. probably wasn't in a position to worry. But that's exactly the point. Yeah. Either there's something in the worry hole or I've drowned it away, or I've attempted uh, unsuccessfully to just dismiss it away or downplay it away, and that doesn't work. So the question is
1: I do I mean, but I do have worries but i don't feel like i let them
0: oftentimes plague me and and so is that why you're not an alcoholic and i am and i'm being serious i don't know i i think i think you know i don't think there's any one cause for alcoholism right. but i think this might be a big contributing factor well, so so the question is the worry hole does does the worry create the alcoholic in other words Did my stress over all these different situations, and if it was a big situation, then fine. If it was a small situation, I'm still going to be stressed about it. Did that cause me to drink and drink and drink and drink until I became an alcoholic? Or did the alcohol, we all know that alcohol changes our brain function. Did the alcohol create in me this obsession with the worry hole so that minor things could debilitate me to the same level of major things. Ooh, I'm not expecting you to have a yeah, I'm just, definitive I'm gonna, answer. But and I'd I'm love not to hear your thoughts. Trying
1: to shoot holes in your theory or anything, but do you feel that like your worry hole is just another way? <laughs> And I put air quotes around that, worry hole.
0: We're still getting experienced with using the new terminology of worry hole that we just made up on the (laughs) spot But do you feel
1: like that's just another word for anxiety? Like you're letting a concern get out of control or something or a thought take over. And is that a, a form of anxiety? Sure. And I know that your anxiety heightened with your alcohol use and abuse of it over the years.
0: We just don't sound as sophisticated when we say anxiety as we do when we say worry. Hole. Okay, much more so, it's a Highbrow word, Sherry. exactly.
1: New terminology. Um,
0: Not to be confused with the glory hole. That please, is
1: just. This is this is an all-night, This, all this after-hours awesome. after yeah, podcast. I'm no, kidding, but no. I wonder if, like, if you're already an anxious sort of person.
0: Yeah, but okay. So here so so the and question still stands. You can take early. the word worry hole and exchange it for anxiety. I think that's fair. I just think I I want to make the specific designation that the things that I worry about sometimes are legitimate serious things to be worried about. And sometimes if there isn't a legitimate serious thing to be worried about, I'll pick something else and worry about that just the same. And so do you want to call that anxiety? Sure, I think that fits. I think it, I think it is anxiety, absolutely. But the, that doesn't change the question. Does the fact that I did did I have anxiety that created in me alcoholism, or did the alcohol change like blow away, erase my my worry management, my anxiety management skills, and and I I kind of think it's the second one. I don't remember having anxiety as a kid. You, oh, you remember you, me having anxiety as a well, kid when we didn't told, know each other? When we
1: didn't know each other, you told me that you went through a period when you were in, like, elementary school where you were kind of sad. Yeah, but and I worried. wasn't anxious. And, well, maybe maybe it wasn't, like, an anxious feeling. Maybe that was a, the way children will worry will have anxiety. I think... I don't, I feel like I'm just trying to disagree with you. I think that there are people who are very anxious and they learn different tools and coping mechanisms and in your house, the alcohol was celebrated. It wasn't poo-pooed like in my household and so that's why it was easy for you to turn to it and then use it as a coping mechanism.
0: Okay, since you've gone back to childhood, let's go there. So i I grew up in a loving home with two loving parents and um, no financial strife or no abusiveness, none of that, right? Right. But there were high expectations. Yes. There were high expectations for academic performance. I can remember, even though I'm not a, very much of an athlete, I can remember some some times when I wasn't meeting the expectations of me as an athlete and there was stress about that. So your mom started rooting pressure for about another that. kid on you? Know, that's a whole different story, but yes, my mom did root for a teammate that looked like me instead of me. Um, but so, so, so yeah, there were these standards to meet, and I did it. But I definitely felt pressure to do it, to to meet the mostly academic, mm-hmm. you know, standards, and. In college I found this liquid substance I mean I experimented with alcohol in high school but it wasn't really even close to medicinal at that point. But in college I found that the alcohol would make the expectations go away. And so this is why I, I think, well I guess I just don't know the answer to the situation. Did I drink because of the pressure that was on me? or did my alcohol, my abusive alcohol consumption that started out as fun and partying, did that create in me an inability to manage pressure and stress in a healthy way?
1: Well, and then because you were drinking it during your late teens, early adulthood and binge drinking, and we know binge drinking has a different, like, you know, it changes your brain function and Processing, I think you missed a lot of that maturity in tool coping mechanisms, yeah, but I just think of like how you know when I think of like people who are anxious and they don't drink, they also have other outlets, other little stress relievers that could be kind of Addictions. thrown into that addiction category sure. because of it, you know so. That's there's so many I I
0: mean, you can get addicted to just about anything the difference the reason we talk about alcoholism and drug addiction and we don't talk about other addictions to the same extent is because of the collateral damage that we do if we overconsume alcohol it's not just ourselves mm-hmm. we're also we turn into you know massive assholes and cause problems for the people around us so that's why those get attention but yes to manage anxiety or to mismanage anxiety is maybe a better way to say that. There, People become addicted to all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. No question. So I, I don't know. I think it's a chicken or the egg kind of question. I think it's one that deserves more attention. You know, As much as I've read and listened to on this topic, on the topic of alcoholism and addiction, I, I have not come across anyone who has really... Studied or explained this question of does the does the worry hole create the alcoholic, or does the alcohol abuse create the the worrying the mismanagement of the worry hole? But he, you know, one thing I can tell you though, this isn't just a Matt issue. This isn't just a me issue. This is very common among high functioning alcoholics, and I, I make that distinction not to to make it sound like I think I'm better than low bottom alcoholics it's the same disease i would have right. ended up in a gutter if i had kept going i would have ended up dead if i had kept going i'm not better than than anyone but i think it has to do with starting point and where i lived my alcoholic life i didn't i didn't drop below a certain threshold of um you know i guess lifestyle or or societal behavior norms. You know, it didn't get as bad as it eventually would have. Right. So I was in this little sweet spot of high functioning alcoholism and so that's why the people that we work with and the people that I get to know are, are usually in that same kind of sweet spot and when they share so many characteristics with me then I start to perk up and go oh this isn't just a me thing this is semi-universal so it's something that's worth talking about. I want to talk next about vacation. You have said for years that when it's time to get ready for vacation that's a very stressful thing for you and you know, certainly the way we have traditionally operated in our house, I got all my stuff done for work that I needed to get done so that we could go on vacation and I packed my suitcase. And you got all the stuff that needed to be done for your work so you could go on vacation. And you got all the stuff that needed to be done with the house and the cat and the plants so you could go on vacation. And you packed five suitcases. So it was always much more stressful for you to get ready for vacation than for me. And you've said for years now, well, first of all, we rarely take what really is a vacation. What we do is we take the carnival on the road. So... Everybody goes, you know. Our kids go with us, and all of their wants and needs go with us. They're getting older, so there's less of that. But certainly, yeah. when they were younger and when they were in diapers, there's nothing vacationy about going somewhere else where everything isn't in its place and you don't. It's almost have an even abundant a little supply. worse. It's a little worse because
1: when the yeah. diaper bags out of diapers, you got to go out two-hour time differences that throw off.
0: Oh, and sleep all patterns sleep are and wrong, eating. and yeah, we don't have the food that we normally. Oh, all of that. But so you've said for a long time that the period of getting ready to go on vacation is really hard and stressful for you. But once, but here's the point, once you get wherever we're going and there's nothing you can do about the cat or the plants or the shape the house is in, then that is a little bit more of a relaxing time for you, even though the kids are still there with us and, mm-hmm. and still full of their wants and needs. But... Because most of the responsibility is left behind when we go somewhere, there's less for you to be kind of worried and stressed about. And for me, when I was drinking, I just drank my way through all of that. I drank before we left for vacation to make the stress go away. And I drank when we were on vacation to make the stress go away. So I didn't experience any of that. But I did, just this past weekend, for your 50th birthday... For the, to celebrate your fiftieth birthday, you and I went away. We went to beautiful Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and you know we left. We left the kids home alone. The oldest is nineteen, so certainly we felt like they could hold the fort down, and we had confidence that they wouldn't have a big party. And there is no evidence to seem like they did. The youngest is 11, he would have told us. He would have ratted
1: out immediately because he got a phone the weekend before, so he would have... Plus, he was the only one answering texts for a while. Yeah, he was pretty excited. Because he was the only one awake. Only
0: one awake and excited about his new phone. But, so, they didn't have a party, best we can tell. Where was I going with this? Oh, so this was, you know, this really, it was short. It was only, it was 48 hours we were gone. But it was kind of a true vacation in that we didn't take any of those responsibilities with us. We we worked really hard and did all the things we had to do. Home, work, cats, all of that uh, to get ready to go. But then once we got there there was nothing we could do about any of those responsibilities back home. So we really did just relax. And in fact, we went to the Strawberry Park Hot Springs in Steamboat Springs, Colorado which is one of the most famous hot springs in the, in the country probably the world i don't know i don't know anything about world hot spring popularity
1: and we wonder where our middle son gets this sort this? of know it all attitude sometimes yeah. i don't know it's got to be the best hot know. springs
0: in the world i don't know it's it's a great
1: place it's
0: a cool place really great but so i spent 2 hours we we spent 2 hours in this hot springs tub and for those that don't live around a hot spring, it's really cool. You know, the water's bubbling out of the earth. It's been down there near the molten part of the earth, and it gets hot, and it comes up. And they blend it with a uh, at, this place. With, at this place in Starbury Park with with mountain spring water that's just, you know, ice snow melt, basically. And they blend those together to get the perfect, I think it was 105 degrees is the one that we spent the most time in the guy had tempted. And so you spend two hours in that and you're kind of talking to some other people and you're moving around. There were several hot springs pools to be in. Every once in a while I had to get out of the hot one and get in the cold and then get back in the hot. And it's just a remarkably relaxing experience. Something that I don't know that I have personally ever experienced. We've been to hot springs before but we've had the kids with us and there was a diving board and there's nothing relaxing about that. They were that.
1: younger, a lot younger. Yeah.
0: I was also hot... I was also very early in sobriety and biting my fingernails off while yeah. we were in that hot that hot springs. But this one it was different and when we got out, so our two hour session was up and we were walking toward the parking lot, I the first thing I said to you is that I felt like my shoulders were like two feet lower. I felt like everything had dropped <laughs> in my shoulders.
1: That's a lot, like That's two a, inches. Two feet's a lot. Two
0: feet is a lot. I know.
1: But it was like down to your knees. A
0: level of relaxation that I was not used to, unfamiliar with. Like
1: you, your worry hole was that space where you had that worry. Yeah. Was this is this was the point, this was another point when I realized how stressed you were from this job situation. Sorry to interrupt your where
0: you're going. Bring it on sis bring it.
1: But your worry was then taken over by how remarkable it was their mechanism for maintaining the proper temperature of the water with letting in the hot water and the cool water and I I, I won't go into details because it's way too boring
0: but it is not boring It's it's
1: fascinating it's fascinating how much you were obsessing with that and he wanted to watch it. Now, granted, you weren't the he weren't the only person that was talking about it, but I think there were other people talking about it, other men. Maybe they were high functioning alcoholics in sobriety because you had nothing else to really like focus on. But the but the mechanism for the way that they let in the cool water to just make sure it was maintained. That's when I was like, Wow, like he has to fill his brain with something to think about. And his mouth to have something to talk about. But you were very relaxed. And it wasn't... When And when you got out and you were like, I feel like... You know, you get really jacked up on caffeine. And you feel so good. But you didn't have any that morning.
0: Well, the reason that happens is because I don't drink caffeine at all. Yes. And once every six months when I drink caffeine, it really I hits wanna me I want to shoot hard.
1: you in the face. But... I was like, wow, that was another time when I was like, he's like, oh my God, you were just like, oh, don't you feel so great? And you're, yeah, I feel great, but I don't feel like I can just melt into the earth. Like, I felt good, but I could tell you were in this different level. And I was like. I okay.
0: was. It was. That it is, felt.
1: made me feel sad and, and sympathetic again. Like, oh
0: my goodness, sad. Why? It was great. Because I
1: thought, my gosh, you've never, you've, you don't have that sort of relaxing nature. And you hadn't been having it.
0: So it was a euphoric feeling that I have felt rarely since I stopped drinking. It was the, the level of euphoria I used to feel after, I think when I've written about this, I've said after about two and a half nice, strong, bitter IPAs. That's, that's the feeling that I would get. And it would be short-lived because then I would drink more and I would get pa- go past it, go mm-hmm. flying by and, you know, feel some other less interesting emotion like depression or anger or maybe I was still in a good mood but but the euphoria would pass. And so I felt that coming out of the the hot springs tub and what what has been rattling through my brain since then about that experience is that there are natural ways to feel that level of re- relaxation, even for us HFAs who have over a over overzealous worry holes. Mm-hmm Um, it's possible to get there without drinking it's possible to get there and I want to find natural ways to get there more, I don't want to have to drive three hours into the mountains and go to a hot springs tub to get there, I think there there are ways to, that's why I think the second of my two chicken or the egg options is probably the right one That rather than I was born this way and stress and worry made me an alcoholic, rather than that, my over-drinking, my heavy drinking that, you know, started young for me and was just part of the culture we lived in and the friendships and the family and everything, my obsession with drinking turned into bad stress management and made the worry hole prevalent in my life. And as I learn different techniques that are natural to make the worry hole calm down, I can find this euphoric feeling. You know, getting out into nature, exercise, all the things that we talk about as being important, gosh, I think they might be really, really important for people like me.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a tool to manage your worry hole slash anxiety.
0: Exactly. So you know managing the worry hole the, the last thing that i want to just i want to hit on is something that concerns me I, I feel like there's a lot of people walking around there with an exaggerated worry hole a lot of people because if you think about you know we we've, we've generally accepted two things as it relates to alcohol in our society and our culture the first thing is that it's totally acceptable to drink. It's acceptable to drink at nine o'clock on Saturday morning at a four-year-old's birthday party. It's acceptable, you know, to to overconsume on the holidays. Like the frequency with which people drink and the amount that they drink, we've kind of just adopted that as that's okay. But as soon as we start talking about alcohol as being medicinal. Anything other than, oh, I had a stressful day, I'm going to have a beer. If we start really talking about using it to medicate, all the red flags go up for even the people who are most devoted to their love of alcohol. Myself included, back when I was a drinker, I never would have said, you know, I drink because I can't manage my life if I don't. I would never have said that. Mm -hmm. I would have said, oh, I had a rough day at at the old salt mine, so I'm going to have a few drinks tonight. But I never would have said it in a serious way, a medicinal way. So I think those two things are pretty widely accepted when it comes to alcohol. It's absolutely available and celebrated, but just don't use it to try to manage your life. Also, so, sorry, go ahead. I
1: was going to say, also, like, alcohol is celebrated until it's not either. Yeah. Like, when you even even if you're around a bunch of people who drink heavily all the time, if they see one person in their group cross a certain line, they like get worried. They would never look at that in themselves. And there is like this like unspoken like rule, I think, about people who drink together. Like, oh, they cross the line. That's a little crazy. And But yeah, it won't ever be talked about it because no one wants to talk about it.
0: Right. I know I tried not to cross that line with the same people very often. I mean, there are certainly times where I drank too much in front of a group of people and I would think, oh, got to be careful around those people I don't want them to think I have a problem mm-hmm. so that's, that's very true but, but this idea that and it's not just alcohol it's all drugs all, all recreational drugs all illegal or now increasingly legalized but, but recreational drugs the idea that they would be looked upon as medicinal would be frowned upon nobody would ever say um, I've been having trouble sleeping I've got a lot I've got to get done um, even though I'm not getting enough sleep, so I'm gonna have some cocaine that my doctor prescribed for me, so that I can stay awake and be productive. Nobody would be like, "Yeah, that's what you got to do. Got to have some of that cocaine to to do that." That so you're laughing. That's you're making my point for me. But here, so here's what worries me. Just as I'm experiencing this hot tub, you hot tub, hot springs euphoria, and like, oh, I'm maybe I'm kind of trying to figure it out. This worry-hole management is something I've got to get better at, and I've got to use nature and exercise and all these other things to do it. There are people that are more than willing to provide shortcuts for that. There are lots of you know, we might not be able to use cocaine and alcohol medicinally, but there's lots of offshoots, other kind of chemical things that people are looking at, and, and I can't help but say that they're looking at it as a shortcut to doing the the real work, the hard work, to figure out how to be a mature adult and manage your worry hole. Even if that takes time and practice and maybe some therapy, um, maybe some meditative practices. People want the shortcut. And so the shortcuts, you know, you and I saw a CBD commercial recently and We will be the first people to say, we don't know anything about CBD. I know it's, I I just said I don't know anything and then I'm going to tell you what I know. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's an extra, it's extracted from marijuana, right?
1: Yes, and there's no THC. And there's no
0: THC, which is the...
1: And it could be used as a pain reliever or like it, you know, there's so many beverages that have it nowadays that it's a calming agent so the, this product, this particular was advertisement
0: we we're watching was, it was actually Woody Harrelson's brother. I think it's called Harrelson's, yeah, CBD or something.
1: I don't know. I I googled it on my phone from the moment I saw this commercial because I could not believe this was the
0: situation yeah. and
1: this was the commercial. So
0: it's Woody Harrelson's brother, and he's promoting it, and they're they're saying things like, you know, do you uh, do you do you have too much stress in your life? Um, and then the, the spokesperson says, Gosh, I take some of Harrelson's C B D and I calm right down. I relax. The the things that used to bother me don't bother me anymore. They just kinda shift away into the into
1: the
0: the vapor or whatever. And, We're and probably I, gonna get like bombed with this. Like people are gonna be like, Oh,
1: I love that stuff. Well
0: and, and people do love it. But the point is To me, everything that the spokesperson was describing—the feelings, it's calming, it's relaxing. My worries drift away. Yeah, I can't hear my I can't hear my out of control kids anymore. All of that sounds exactly like what marijuana does, and maybe the CBD just does it to a lesser degree. So it's kind of like you know another big thing that is talked about a lot, especially in Colorado these days, is microdosing of hallucinogens of Acid and mushrooms, right? Mostly mushrooms, not acid. Yeah, I think just mushrooms. I think so I made that part right? Up. Is that what it's called? Psilocybin. Yeah. Yeah. But so it's it's like we're taking these things that we have kind of accepted culturally as these are not supposed to be used medicinally, and then we've taken a smaller amount of them and said, "Oh, but this can be used medicinally." Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: except there's been the medical marijuana yeah. like industry forever. Yeah, in a you know in a lot of ways. Um, You're right.
0: So marijuana is unlike cocaine and alcohol is accepted for medicinal uses.
1: Yeah, but this but and, the and thing I, about the CBD spray was like it was a little like breath spray thing, and just take you know, it every time. But oh, it was just yeah. The like, boss
0: walked by and talked about a deadline.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> More and CBD here's spray. the mother
1: that's at wa- home. With the kids, and she's just spraying away. Yeah. My kids I'm have like, lit the
0: kitchen on fire. <laughs> I bet they left a pot pie like, in there for a couple days. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> and just the escapism.
0: Do you think the listeners know that is me spraying a little bit of CBD well, spray I'm glad in that you had to
1: explain that now. But no, because... <laughs> okay. But the escapism from that commercial was beyond ridiculous.
0: Escapism is the exact right word. And we did not plan this. Escapism is the exact right word. And that's what the the bigger quantity of these drugs has always been known to do. Mm-hmm. Marijuana is the ultimate escapism drug, right? Just kind of zone out and not worry about anything. Yeah. No? You're yeah. shaking your no,
1: head. No, I, I don't know. Okay. I mean,
0: so escapism. Is it the
1: ultimate? No. I think like, you know, mushrooms, like... You know, okay,
0: so mushrooms are also for like escapism. That. Now you can microdose that and it's got all these medicinal purposes. Michael Pollan, who is my hero for the work that he's done on, on our broken food system and pointing out the things that need to change for our agriculture to be sustainable and for humans to eat whole foods and how important that is for your body. All of this work that this brilliant journalist has done, he has now turned his focus and he spends a lot of time talking about still plants, right? But the, the plant-based drugs that exist in our culture and their medicinal uses and their importance. And that they shouldn't all just be poo-pooed. And, and listen, I, I think you and I disagree a little bit on the legalization of a lot of this stuff. I know that it really worries you mm-hmm. and you are against it. I, I am less against the government deciding whether or not we should consume something and more a believer that education is the key. We need to understand what we're doing. And so when I see an advertisement for Harrelson CBD and the, the person on the commercial is talking about all of these things that it does for them that are kind of the same maybe to a lesser degree than the things that just smoking weed does for you, yeah. it worries me. It worries me that we're going to say, oh, this is the magic potion. This is how I get the worry hole closed up without doing any of the work, without without figuring out how to do it on my own or or get out into nature or do the exercise or find natural ways to do it. I just take this this spray, tss, tss, spray it in my mouth, and all the work's done for me. And that worries me. Now, let's one be real more. clear. We don't know enough about CBD to speak definitively about it, only to say that I think, as a critical thinker, it's safe and fair for me to say that that's worrying. Yes. Same thing with microdosing. I don't understand how taking a lot of this this thing um, puts you... You know, and I have done mushrooms once before. I After I did that, I hid in a <laughs> bush outside of McDonald's for four hours Sorry. while my friends looked for me. So... Paranoia runs pretty rampant with me in that situation. And I've
1: used like a CBD back.
0: um, Like rub? uh, Rub. Is it for pain relief, I assume? For pain relief. Okay.
1: My neighbor had some and she knew that I had like hurt my back and was really struggling and nothing seemed to be really kind of working. And so she was like, you know, try it. She didn't find that it worked any better for her than you know tiger bomb or icy hot or whatever and i did i didn't feel like it worked any better either yeah. now i know that cbd is definitely different from marijuana because the thc is gone that and that is what you're left with with the healing chemicals but that we're just the thing that worries me is that we're taking this thing that we know is derived and you know and um separated out the THC, but it's still just a way to kind of like manipulate the consumer that, oh, if you just do this, you're going to be great. You know, like St. John's ward or
0: all So Alder you think it's Earth. snake oil potion?
1: I wouldn't say I don't think it's snake oil potion. I think there is, has some medical components to it, but to use it to say, this is how when you're in the middle of your day and you're stressed, don't go have a cup of chamomile tea. Use the CBD spray that you put in your mouth, and that's not necessarily regulated on how much you should use and consume. I mean, anything you can abuse yeah. and overconsume. Um, so it's 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 a, not not so much the snake oil, but the but the motive behind the advertising and the motive behind the product is that. You just do this, or you just drink this seltzer that has CBD in it, you're gonna calm down. It's just like drinking a cup of chamomile tea, you know,
0: yeah, <sighs> yeah, so it worries you
1: that's what that's what worries me is just the playing up to the insecurities, yeah, and the worries that we already have, acting like that there's a product that yeah, we I... have to take. That's going to help all of it. It
0: Worries it worries me whether it's CBD or microdosing, or even like I listened to a podcast not long ago with Michael Pollan, and he's not talking about microdosing; he's talking about taking guided psilocybin tours, guided mushroom tours, where and and this is becoming an increasingly mainstream thing, where some you know kind of shaman person Mm -hmm. leads you through this psychedelic experience, and you come out on the other side with a different understanding of who, who you are as a human, to me all of this, as a total non-expert in any of this it they just all sound like shortcuts and they worry me and maybe I just want to live this difficult life where um, everything's got to be all natural, I don't know, but I think in a society that is increasingly searching for the easy way out not that we haven't always searched for the easy way out because we have but it just seems to be amped up now and we've accepted that okay you know, alcohol is acceptable in all of these situations as long as you're not re- using it to treat your me- your mental health because that's not acceptable gosh here's something else I can use to treat my mental health and the thing that scares me is okay fine the THC isn't in there But it's derived from the the same plant and it, according to the advertisements, has the same effect, just to a lesser degree. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Is that really okay? Is that where we're going? I'd rather spend two hours in the hot springs tub and feel my shoulders drop two feet or figure out how to make my shoulders drop two feet without driving three hours into the mountains. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a way that's not a shortcut, that's the hard way, but the really... um, feels good when you do it. And it's worth the effort. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So for those of you out there with a massive worry hole like me (laughs) and you don't know how it happened did the worry hole create your alcoholism or did the alcohol create your worry hole? I don't know. I think it's the latter. Not super worried about it. Don't take the old shortcut you had of drinking alcohol and pushing things down and exchange that for a new shortcut. Or maybe do if you're a CBD expert and you think I'm full of shit, then go for it. But I'm going to go ahead and try to keep finding that euphoria in natural ways, even if it's only occasionally that I get to feel that way and just learn to manage the stuff better. Believe my doctor when she says I don't have either a hernia or a cancerous tumor in my stomach and just try to be happy with uh, with the health and the, the, the ability to manage work stress and have this big rambunctious family that leaves pot pies in the oven and just be grateful for all those experiences. How's that for a little silver lining on the end of this one? You like it?
1: Fantastic.
0: All right. Well, it's got to be tomorrow by now. So let's go take a nap before we have to get up and do it all over again. Okay. Okay. Good night, Sherry. <laughs> Good
1: night.
0: Before you go, we hope you'll consider these three resources.
1: If you love or loved an alcoholic, we offer support and connection in our Echoes of Recovery group. Check us out at echoesofrecovery.org.
0: If you are a high-functioning alcoholic seeking methods and connection in early sobriety...